You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pull Box Podcast. This is episode 46. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am your other host, Curtis Findlay. And uh, on this episode, we are going to be talking about Superman Kryptonite, mm-hmm. which was originally released as Superman Confidential. Um, it is... Uh, uh, Written by Darwin Cook and drawn by Tim Sale, which uh, is a power duo, if sure ever is. there was one. Yeah. And uh, as I've talked before, last month we actually just did, uh, 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 what was the Superman All-Star. All-Star Superman. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and a little while ago we did Superman for All Seasons. Right. And you mentioned that uh, those were two of your, yeah. of your top... Yeah, three so favorite Superman Superman stories. Confidential or Superman Kryptonite rounds out those three as my favorite Superman stories ever told. Yeah, and um, I definitely see a theme. Yeah, and I know why they're your favorite because yeah. you love taking the character back to its roots. Yes, and telling the kind of why Superman is Superman story, and yeah. all three of those stories are, are just that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and this is one of the ones. Where I, uh, this book, I, people, the biggest complaint that I always hear when, when I tell people that I'm a huge Superman fan, that Superman's my favorite superhero, um, and that, that, you know, like I love Superman more than any other character. I, I mean, I have a, I have a gigantic Superman statue. Uh, the only other character in pop culture that, that gets the same honor as Superman is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And they share a lot of similarities, um, in, in these sorts of things. Uh, and like the, the the biggest complaint that I always hear is, oh, I hate Superman. He's way too powerful. He's invulnerable. How can you can't tell an interesting story about a character who's invincible? Like he yeah. just doesn't have. So I, I will say to you, first of all, read this because yeah, right. this book is literally about that. Um, and and the other thing I'll tell you to read is the book Invincible, which is uh, totally Robert Kirkman's. Uh, assessment of the character of Superman and telling you, like, even though a character is indestructible, that doesn't mean that they don't have problems. Yeah. Um, they still, like, you still, if you're fighting the fight, uh, as Superman refers to it, the never-ending battle, like, it, it it doesn't matter if you're invulnerable, there's always something to be worried about. Yeah. But th- this book, um, it pinpoints that, uh, the flaw in that argument, in that, um, Superman A, he is not invulnerable. He does have a very specific weakness. But, um, uh, you know, if we go back to Superman for All Seasons, uh, and it comes up in this as well, like, he does have other weaknesses as well. And and Mm -hmm. mostly it's people. Yeah. Um, But in this one, this story centers around, um, around a young... Clark Kent slash Superman. He's just come to Metropolis. He's not been there very long. Uh, and and uh, he 
he's still testing the limits of his power. Yeah. Um, he, he's obviously had some conflicts with Lex Luthor. That's his arch nemesis. He's put away some bad guys. He's won the hearts of Metropolis and the world. But he's just waiting for the moment where he finds the the extent of his power, the, the upper limit of his ability, and what is it that's going to kill him. Um, and this has one of my favorite scenes of all time in any Superman and it's where he, he in order to, he tries to divert the flow of a volcano that's, that's going to destroy a small village and kill a bunch of people. And in doing so, he ends up um, in amongst the molten lava, the, the magma, and, uh, and he breathes it in. Yeah. Because he has a, it's like you go swimming, yeah. and you realize, then you have a panic attack, yeah. and you gasp for air, and so you swallow air, but you, he's doing that you in lava. Water. Yeah, so yeah, he does it, it with lava, and, and in the moment, you just kind of, it's kind of happening, and he's describing it, but then the more impactful part is when he goes back to Smallville to his parents, and he explains it, yeah. and he said, like, he just talks about, like, he didn't like he is this gonna be the thing that's gonna kill him his skin's invulnerable but are his insides invulnerable and um and he makes mistakes in this he 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 doesn't save the day save that he does but there are casualties this yeah. is like man if you are one of those people that complains about man of steel it's like oh those people died and superman didn't save anybody it's like uh that's the first time he's ever put on the cape and fought supervillains yeah and it is and it's not like he was fighting metallo or the parasite he was fighting <laughs> zod and an art like a small group of kryptonians uh he was way out of his element yeah right and and he they, they did all sorts of damage that happens in this story which way predates man of steel right because there's there's a, another part of it part of that moment of him with the the volcano where he comes out and uh, he's not even paying attention, but like there's there's like flame and and magma like spilling off of him, and and a dog is like frightened and barking at him, and it lights on fire. Like the dog is burnt alive, and it's Superman's fault, right? Like well, and he, and there's he's directly responsible. Once he comes out of the water. Uh, or out of the lava, he yeah. starts puking. He pukes yeah. up lava. Yeah. People think he's a demon. A woman decides to throw herself in the molten lake yeah. instead of sticking around to see this demon killer or something. Yeah, like and that. another person just dies from the shock. Like, yeah. like there, there. It shows that being Superman is not just about being able to leap tall buildings in a single bound or yeah. being faster than than a speeding bullet or more powerful than a locomotive. Right? Those are his abilities but what makes him superman is the fact that when that happens it it rocks him to the core right yeah. and so he has to go home he has to reassess well and the thing i like about it is that something like that happens and what does yeah. he do he seeks refuge with his parents yeah yeah which is what we would all do yeah, right for sure um and and meanwhile lex luthor is calling him an alien and and you yeah. know he, he's superman and he's He's all of these unrelatable things, but we know as an audience that actually he's more human than than Lex. Yeah. Lex is the alien, right? And this Lex is a character in this story, but he's almost supporting a supporting 
uh, member of the story. Right. Um, in the same way that like, that like Jimmy and Lois are very much supporting characters in this. Um, cause the bad guy is actually a guy named Anthony Gallo who is, um, we sort of, we get p- bits and pieces and we get the story in drips. Uh, I'll get to that in a second, but he's a, a, it seems to be, I think he's like Italian, something like yeah. that. And, yeah. and like an old, old world Italian, uh, gangster that comes to America. Um, and one of the reasons why he comes to America is the introduction of, of a new character to the Superman mythology. Um, who, what's all, they give him a name at the end. Um, Bridgewater. Was it Bri- that what it is? I think so. Let me just check. Something like that. Um, but in, in the moment that Krypton explodes, yeah, Bridgewater. I uh, this character Bridgewater, who is an alien species, kind of like the the uh, the Watchers. Um, they although better than the Watchers because the Watchers say that all they do is observe, but they're constantly screwing with <laughs> the fate of of sentient beings in the galaxy. I. Uh, but the Bridgewater and his people, his kind, they observe. They're historians. So the much like I, <clears throat> if you watch a documentary, um, there's a there's actually a really great example of this in um, in Planet Earth. There's a story of of they're they're focusing on elephants and they're migrating and these elephants uh, get caught in a dust storm and one of the baby elephants gets separated and actually starts walking in the other direction. And these documentarians just watch the whole thing unfold. Yeah. And as a documentarian, yeah, like as a human being, you want to help. You want to step in. But as a documentarian trying to observe the actual story and like, 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 like portray it with as much truth as you can, you have to just let that play out. So Bridgewater and his kind are this sort of observer they're historians and so they bridgewater is observing krypton in its last days knowing that the planet is about to explode yeah and particularly observing jor-el and and the one uh, voice that's yeah trying to speak out against yeah and and lara and and what they do with their son yeah. who ends up obviously being superman um in the moment that krypton explodes bridgewater trying to avoid Clark's uh, capsule, his his rocket, uh, and using whatever superpower he has, teleports and finds himself actually stuck inside a chunk of Krypton. Yeah, and travels alongside Clark's ship to Earth. Um, Clark lands in Kansas, as we know, and and Bridgewater lands in 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 uh, Italy or something. No, he lands in in like in like Mongolia or something, or like like somewhere. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, somewhere in Asia, and and I, I, a monastery is built around his his uh, his prison, which is like right. this big they, they chunk think of he's a, Yeah, um, like a deity or something. Like yeah, yeah. They uh, some sort of monolith. Yeah. So like they, he becomes very Zen and 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 that sort of thing. But then eventually, up to bed. Yeah. Yeah, in Tibet. Yeah, and then eventually he he gets. You know, a conqueror comes, steals the rock, and then he makes his way to um, to the Gallo estate um, uh, in the hands of, of, of Tony Gallo's father um, and observes all sorts of horrible things. 
Um, meanwhile, constantly trying to influence the world around him to get back to the Kryptonian, as he refers to, to Superman, knowing that like that's his key to escaping his prison and returning home. Yeah. Um, he's, he's an interesting character because he, um, depending on where he landed, that shaped his personality. Yeah. Because he was trapped in, it was a clear chunk of kryptonite, so he could still see out and observe yeah. and do his thing yeah. for 20 years or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and But he happened to be among a group of good people. Yeah. So that's how he learned about Earth culture. Yeah. If he had landed and immediately went with Tony Gallo's father, yeah. he would be a villain. Yeah. And so... That's uh, and that's so that's an interesting uh, yeah. just kind of a nature versus nurture. Yeah. Kind of thing. So so this character Bridgewater, like like the whole, there's a at the beginning of each issue kind of starts with, you know, twenty five years ago and then or uh, thirty years ago, twenty five years ago. Each two, issue brings us right closer every five to, years earlier yeah. every issue, until yeah. until you get to uh, present day in which um, Superman is eventually exposed to the kryptonite. For the first time, and it's just the chunk of kryptonite so large that just it just being like in it, an area, it actually affects him really badly. And so you know, it, it it plays into this overall theme of Superman's weakness. Yeah. Right. Um. And and like I said, that's not just kryptonite. Kryptonite is his physical weakness, but he does he also has these these emotional weaknesses. Um, and that like his fear and his trepidation, uh, at being a young superhero, there's a lot about, um, his relationship with Lois yeah. in this and how they try and balance that and how Lois has to respect that, you know, he can't always be there because every time he's with her, someone could die because yeah. he's having a, a date with Lois Lane, right? Um, and, and he can't bear that thought, so he takes off and all that sort of thing. Well, and there's a great scene because they set up shop across the street from um, Tony Gallo's casino mm-hmm. to, to, to keep surveillance on him. So Lois yeah, because Perry Jimmy... White's up to, convinced that Gallo's up to no good. Right. So, um, yeah, Clark and Jimmy are kind of on surveillance duty, and Jimmy yeah. has the TV on and he's watching this volcano. And for the whole issue... You can tell that Clark is just antsy, yeah. Because he's like, I know I have to do something, but I can't do anything right now because my cover will be blown or something like that. But the yeah. whole time, it like he aches with this urge to get yeah. across the world it, and help. It, you know, it's it's an element of the story that I think is really lost on modern superhero stories, uh, especially with TV and movies. Everybody always comes down so harsh on the on the secret identity plot lines. And, and, you know, like, oh, how can you not tell that Oliver Queen is the arrow? Like, all you have to do is look at his face. And it's like, (laughs) how about you just go along with the conventions of the genre? Suspend your disbelief. Yeah, Yeah. and just choose to believe that that's what happens. Totally. Right? Because I would rather have an interesting character moment like that than everybody knowing that Clark Kent is Superman. Right. right, because that's in today's storytelling. That's exactly what they would do. Well, like, yeah. Look at Man yeah. of Steel. Lois figures it out in in the first bit, right? And well, and it's become it's become almost satire for like in that in that instance. It's like, well, of course she's going to figure it out because anybody would figure it out. Yeah. And and uh, no one in the Marvel 
cinematic universe has a secret identity yeah. anymore. Well, except for Spider-Man now. But he's, you know, who knows if it'll come who, out? <laughs> who knows how long that'll last? But I think that I think that they're going to maintain that one a little bit. Makes more sense because he's yeah. going to be a kid. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, and Spider Spider Man's got a great dual identity. I think you True. can't get away. You can't get away from that. Yeah. Well, they play. But you would they, say they I would say the same off. thing about Superman, and then look at Batman v Superman, where they completely lose the Clark dual identity. Like, yeah. there's no and and to be fair, the bumbling oafish Clark Kent. Who is not present in this, by the way? He's a he's shy and timid in this, but he is not the bumbling oafish Christopher Reeve Clark Kent. Yeah, that has been like, I say that you, there's a little bit of a, of a tone that I have when I say that, not because of Christopher Reeve's Clark Kent. His Clark Kent is great. His Clark Kent influenced a bunch of lesser performances <laughs> and stories after the fact that turned Clark Kent into. A cartoon character. Yeah. Um, now, last month we talked about All Star Superman, in which I, I, Grant Morrison uses that per- perception of Clark Kent to great effect. Yeah, yeah. So I applaud that. But prior to the Christopher Reeve version of Clark Kent, Clark was a mild mannered reporter. Right. He was a Kansas farm yeah. boy. He did his job. He just kept his nose down. Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't about being the the antithesis of Superman. It was about... Like, it kind of was, but not in the, the surface way. In the, in the very um, metaphorical way of Superman is larger than life, in your face, impossible to ignore. Clark Kent is the guy that's been in the room for 15 minutes that you didn't even realize was there. And right. if you want a great example of that, watch any of the Fleischer cartoons. Exactly. And um, they're they're on YouTube, so you can see them easy. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's a perfect example of what you're yeah. talking about. And that's exactly the Superman that's in this story. Yeah. Where, he, like, he is a reporter, and he's a, he's a darn good reporter. Yeah. But he is also not, like, he's not Lois Lane, right? No. It's like, it's almost a joke to some of the other, like uh, Perry is constantly saying things to him, like you could be the best reporter here, yeah. but you know you're you're focusing on these other things, um, and puts him on the level of Jimmy Olsen, who's this kid that works at the at the Daily Planet, right? Like that's what they get paired up all the time because they're seen that way, and they're definitely second stringers to Lois Lane's first string, right? Yeah. Um, but that's exactly where Superman wants to be. So, uh, yeah, I, I like it when the character of Clark Kent is played that way. Um, I, I appreciate it when someone like Grant Morrison can use that, that, that bumbling cartoon version to actually tell a story point, which he does where he's like, he's tripping, but in tripping, he actually ends up knocking Lex out of the way from getting shot or, you know, um, yeah, knocking out the prison guards so that they don't get killed in a riot, like Mm. stuff like that, um, is, is great. But for my money that like this version of Clark Kent is my favorite. So you put him in that position of he's doing his job, but he doesn't want Jimmy to know. Right. Jimmy can't know that Clark Kent is Superman, so he, he can't let on that, you know, that, that there's any connection there. Yeah. And and I think that that adds an urgency to the character. Um, and it adds a depth to it that, like, there are many things that he will forsake for the safety of other people, but he can't let go of Clark Kent. No. Right. He can't break that cover because 
Clark Kent is so important to the balance of his life, right? And in this one, it talk he talks about you know he goes home, and on the farm, it's the only place that he really gets to be Clark. Yeah, he has these two other personas, and neither one of them are really him. They are both aspects of him, but they are not the real Clark Kent. And um, well, and at the end, in the last issue, he finds yeah. out his origin. Yeah. And finds out that his real name is Kal-El and, and where he comes from. Yeah. And then he goes back home and tells his parents. Yeah. And they're like, so I guess you're going to want us to call you Kal-El now? And he's like, yeah. uh, no, yeah. I'm still Clark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, those might those might be his his parents, his mother and father. He, say, he says something to, to the tone of like, uh, Jor-El and Lara may be my mother and father, but you're my parents. Yeah. Right? And, and it, it like... Just Darwin Cook got it. He understood, right? And and that's why when I when I talk about these books, we talk about like Jeff Loeb writing Superman in For All Seasons, Grant Morrison writing Superman in All Star, and Darwin Cook writing Superman in in this story, as well as in in um um I, I, what's the we read it for all seasons? No, no the the one with Green Lantern and um New Frontier, New Frontier, yeah. Um, he he gets the character like they get the character they understand yeah who superman is through and through um, this, and a lot there there are a lot of writers out there who get to write superman who do not straczynski wrote a superman run right before new 52 and it is god awful because straczynski does not understand superman he tries to write huh. him like peter parker right straczynski huh. like he gets spider-man yeah he, he gets, did a great spider-man yeah but he just like he's a great writer um he gets the Ghostbusters because <laughs> 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 he wrote some of the best Ghostbusters episodes there were, but but he does not get Superman. Yeah. Um, and there's just there's just such a the, there's a, a kernel to that character that is so important, and it is it really is Smallville. Yeah. Um, and I think it's why this TV series Smallville is so great because it takes the time to really explore why Superman is Superman, why Clark Kent would make the choices that he makes, right? Um, and it explores vulnerability and his power and, and, and the, the secret identity, dual identity aspect of it and all that sort of thing. But Yeah, so. and there's also, um, I really also appreciated the villain in this story too mm-hmm. because they throw in some twists that I didn't yeah. see coming. And um, this whole time I thought that this creature in the block of, of kryptonite was going to be like, I don't know, Metallo or somebody that I already yep. knew come out and was going to be the villain, but they, they totally twist that around. And, uh, I, I really like the storytelling. There's a narrative aspect to this that is very similar to new frontier. And it's, it's a, it, it I think like we've sort of explored both, both facets of, of Darwin, not both facets. There are many facets, but two of these main facets that, that Darwin cook explored in his, in his comics writing, um, we definitely talked the last two episodes about the, the crime and noir aspect of that. Yeah. Um, his fantasy storytelling and his sci-fi has this undercurrent of, of understanding. And he, it, it comes across in these characters, these metaphysical characters who are alien and they are observers yeah. Because that that's totally all throughout New Frontier, and then that ends up being the big bad guy at the end. I'm pretty sure that's a theme in Twilight Children as well, but I haven't okay. read that one yet, so I don't cool. know. 
Um, but yeah, like the way that, that Bridgewater is written in this, um, it, you know, this character of Bridgewater, it, it, he's very much of this story. So I understand why other people haven't tried to tackle the character. Um, and also you'd have to be a pretty darn good writer to do it, but the character is so great. He is so iconically a Superman universe character. Um, and it's it's contained in exactly what you were saying. That, like, the whole time you expect, like, he's going to come out, like, like Gallo is influencing him. Just in the same... It's it's almost like it was set up as a red herring, that the monks it, influence it him. And then you expect Gallo and, and, and his father to have influenced Bridgewater in this other direction, that now he just wants to destroy Earth. Like, he's seen, he's seen the best that Earth has to offer and the worst that it has to offer. Yeah. And the worst outweighs the good so like 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 let's just destroy the whole thing but what ends up happening is that really uh he's just a totally benevolent character superman rescues him at the end and then he rescues superman in turn right like and and it's just this great moment and there's just an understanding between the two characters and then bridgewater goes off into the into the the reaches of the galaxy to return home after so long right and there's just it's just it's so great to me, like to to write a story about uh, and and have this other character be the focal point and and lead it up to something that we think is going to be a confrontation, um, only to discover that no, this is a Superman story. It doesn't have to end in a big fight, right? Like the 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 alien is not a bad guy. No. And it's so important. Just because he's different doesn't mean that he's going to end up being evil. Yeah. And they definitely. They definitely um, subvert that retroactively by putting fight scenes on the covers, right? <laughs> yeah. To sell the comic, and I think that that's so interesting. Like number yeah, yeah. number eleven, which is the final issue, and you wouldn't get this if you. I mean, I guess the trade probably has has a cover gallery at the end, but um, but it's deceiving. Number five and number 11 have these very, like five has this ominous picture of Bridgewater coming out of the, yeah. And then 11 has a picture of Bridgewater and Superman fighting. But you know, it's not a fight. It's Superman busting Bridgewater out of the kryptonite. Yeah. So it, it, it's not what you think it is. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it it plays on our perspective. Um, I also really like that in Bridgewater's design, he's this big green alien, um, with these horns uh, but then he's actually got a spit curl, just like yeah. Superman. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, which, which I just, I, I thought that was a really cool thing to add to a, to a very alien character. <laughs> yeah, I really liked, like, I don't know. I, I have such a hard time. I said this with Superman, uh, with All-Star. I don't, I can't rank these three books against each other because I like them for different reasons. But rereading Superman Kryptonite, it, it does have... It, it has all of the elements that that I love. Yeah. Right. All Star jumps all over the place and it does some crazy stuff and it's really cool. But there's also some stuff that I could take or leave and some stuff that I'm not a big fan of. Um, For All Seasons is also really good, but it focuses on all of the characters. Like it, it each issue of that focuses on a different character. Um, Superman Kryptonite, or I prefer to call it Superman Confidential. Um, 
it is a Superman story, even though there's the perspective of these other two characters. Yeah. Um, it is very much a Superman story, and it's very focused on Superman, and everything points back to Superman for yep. me. And it, it is the one that I think that I connect with the most. It's one of the first books that I that that really connected with me upon getting back into comics um, at this time, I, just previous to this. Um, and I was reading Superman stuff and going like, there's like Superman's not really, they're not doing anything interesting with this character. And then Superman confidential came out and I was like, there it is. Yeah. And then that sort of put me on a path to look at this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's, it's a, it's a really important book to me. And I think it's one of the ones that if you're a Superman fan and you have people out there that constantly tell you that you can't write an interesting story with Superman because he's too powerful. You say, just pick up Superman, Kryptonite, Darwin Cook, and Tim Sale will convince yeah. you otherwise. Well, and this story kind of flies under the radar. Yeah. It never makes, like, top ten Superman story lists no. or anything like and that. It and it should. It deserves I, to be. I don't even know if it's regularly in print. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. It wasn't for a really long time. That's the thing, is that, like, it was released this way. There were there were issues with getting it out. Um, it, it jumps from issue five uh, to issue eleven, which is the final issue. Um I and we, we kind of talked about that before we started recording, but I so there were all sorts of issues around that. Um, it wasn't really promoted very highly, yeah, like very heavily. Uh, and then it wasn't put into trade paperback immediately. It was a very long time before it was put into trade paperback, and it was actually only I think about three or four years ago. Which is weird because it's Cook and Sale. Yeah, you think those are two of their best-selling names. Yeah. You think that they would. But you know, it just—it it really doesn't—it doesn't match up with the Superman that DC and Warner Brothers want to sell right now. Yeah. Or like for the last little while, right? I guess so. Yeah, and this I, is probably just pre—just very pre. Oh yeah, because there's new Fifty Two advertisements in here, or Fifty Two countdown. No, no, yeah. So no, that it's Fifty Two, which was a it's, totally different thing. It's pre Fifty Two, and so that is why once Fifty Two came out, they had a different perspective on Superman. Yes. So these kind of things fell to the wayside. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the next story after this one that I, in in the Superman sort of uh, if you look at it chronologically when they when they released the next big story is is the new Krypton which was like a year-long event. Yeah. In which like after 52 where Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman went missing, they came back, they did Trinity and then after that the those three characters slipped back off into their own worlds. And um, and Superman fought Brainiac and then uh, re-sized uh, Kandor, uh, nice. embiggened Kandor back to its regular size in the Arctic. And then they made their own planet and it, it became this whole thing where Superman went to New Krypton and then all of his supporting characters took over for him for a while. Um, and a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened. And maybe, maybe... At some point, when we decide to be really ambitious, uh, maybe when we do one of like our, our long breaks over Christmas, I'm going to force us to read through all <laughs> of New Krypton. Because I think that it's a really great storyline, oh, okay. but you have to take it holistically. You cannot, like, there's no one story in the world of New Krypton that does it, but it's okay. a very different Superman from this Superman. Sure. Um, but it's really <laughs> cool stuff. I'm game. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, that's it. That that does it for this one. Yeah. Uh, um, if you uh, haven't already, make sure you listen to our other episodes in yeah. Cook Month, which 
include uh, The Spirit and Richard Stark's Parker. Uh, you'll want to check those ones out. They were both really great. And then next week, we actually, I know it's a new month, but we are going to continue Cook Week for one more month with his last work before he passed away called Twilight Children, written by Gilbert Hernandez. That's our reader poll uh, suggested to us by my cousin Craig. And um, and then I'm going to pick a book called Paul Up North by Mikhail Rubagliati, um, about a teenager who goes to Montreal um, to for, for the Summer Olympics in the 70s. Cool. Um, and my poll is Jurassic Park Classic Volume 1, which is a, a graphic novel, comic book adaptation of the Jurassic Park movie yeah. um, from the era. So it's very 90s and... Uh, it's, it's going to be fun. Should be good. Awesome. Good stuff to look forward to. But uh, that does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Keep reading comics. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll. Uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram at pullboxpodcast. Follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can can also find all of our other great podcasts over at Thunderquack.com. And uh, uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, of which we are proudly a part. And uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to Patreon.com slash Thunderquack. And, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps. But uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter, then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one lo- super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.